0: you're listening to the sojourn church new albany sermon series receive finding freedom through healing in this series from the gospel of matthew we learn beautiful insights into the heart of god the nature of his grace and the pathway of faith that leads us to freedom Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: You may be seated. Good morning, Sojourn. Peace be with you. My name is Joan. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, I just want to say God is good. I mean, um, thank you. Michael, thank you, Mary Beth, for sharing some of your stories. Um, Part of the reason we wanted to do that is because we need to be reminded that God is good sometimes, uh, and we need evidence that he can carry us. Uh, There's enough people in this room, some of y'all had bad weeks, uh, some of y'all that bad week fell in the midst of a bad year, a bad 10 years, or maybe just a bad life, and we need to be reminded that God can meet us in those places, and and he'll carry us, Um, and also we've been... For several weeks now, we've, we've been looking at these stories of grace through the book of Matthew, Matthew 8 and 9 in particular. <clears throat> and next week, we're going to start considering what happens to people who hear stories of grace. And in essence, they respond. Um, so next week, we're starting a new series called Respond. And you'll see an invite to your, uh, in your bulletin. Hopefully, you can invite some friends along. Maybe you're, you're wondering, what does it look like once I've heard the story, how, how do I respond? What is Jesus asking of me? What does following him look like? This series we titled Receive, Finding Freedom Through Healing. And every word in there is important. It all stems from the nature of grace, which we've talked about for a few weeks now. But God's mission is about healing us, mind, body, soul. We get a taste of this today. And, and ultimately we'll receive it fully when we're raised with him and, and as we're healed we find a newfound freedom did you notice that in these stories that were shared did you notice that there weren't neat bows on the end of either one of their stories then I read, I came to this church service now everything's fine, everything's good now, everything's great, it's fine there weren't nice neat bows on either of the stories. But did you also notice that they stood up here and shared their story? They didn't hide it. They didn't hide it. Part of what freedom looks like in part is when we can own our stories, we know what's actually happened to us, and then we can share it. Because now these stories aren't just stories of pain or of loss or of trauma. You see what Jesus has done? These stories have now become evidence of God's grace to these people. They felt his presence. In his presence, the sting of deep wounds, losses that are greater than some of us can imagine, but that pain has lessened some in the presence of Christ. And so they're, they're free, more free now than they were at least. Scared and nervous, probably, but they stood here in strength and they shared what they've lived. And, and that looks like freedom. That, that looks like healing. And healing sets us free. Last week, we, we tried to answer the question, what does it take to receive grace? We basically said, it takes a generous God who loves you. We, we looked at the descending quality of faith in the miracles of Matthew chapter 8 compared to the consistent healing Jesus gave despite the quality of faith. And you know, something that's made me real uncomfortable, made me uncomfortable last Sunday, I I said more than I wanted to. Um, I get nervous when I get uncomfortable, and when I get uncomfortable, I start getting chatty. Um, Because what made me uncomfortable is how indirect the faith was in all of those stories in Matthew chapter 8. So we got, just if you're you're visiting with us or you were asleep last week, the first healing in Matthew 8 is a leper who comes up and he says, heal me. And then everybody else is about healing somebody else. Uh, The the Roman's servant that was healed, it was the master's faith that Jesus responded to. Peter's mother-in-law, she did nothing. What did she bring to the table? Uh, Some version of fever and or lack of consciousness. (laughs) She got healed. The disciples, Jesus called them little faiths. And listen, if there's one thing I don't want Jesus to look at me and say is like, how dare you, you little faith? You don't want the God of the universe calling you a coward, and so it wasn't the great faith of the disciples that calmed the storm. And then we looked at the demon-possessed man that didn't or men that didn't want to be healed. Then there was a paralyzed man who we have no indication of what he thought about Jesus or if he wanted to be healed. But his friends drug him there. Well, how did they do that? He had no say in it, right? They picked him up and they took him to Jesus. And Jesus says, because of their faith, this man's sins are forgiven. We looked at the calling of Matthew. He was sitting at his desk at work. It's not like he was in the temple praying for an opportunity to do the will of God. He was just at his job, and Jesus said, follow me. These stories were as scandalous then as they are today. They would have made people uncomfortable then like they make us uncomfortable today. And we're going to pick up in the middle of chapter 9 here and I think we're starting to see what happens when word gets out, when people start hearing these stories or experiencing these uncomfortable things. We we have several instances of absolutely desperate, broken people. A man comes to Jesus whose daughter has just passed away. Unimaginable grief. And look at verse 18. As Jesus was saying this, the leader of a synagogue came and knelt before him. My daughter has just died, he said, but you can bring her back to life again if you just come and lay your hand on her. Next we hear about a suffering woman. Just then a woman who had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding came up behind him. She touched the fringe of his robe for she thought, if I If I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. A religious leader, maybe he's in his fine temple clothing, a man of dignity, of prestige, of of honor, but his daughter died. A woman who has suffered 12 years fights through a crowd, and what's her hope? If I could just touch a bit of his clothing... After these stories, this is, one, this is really funny to me. I know we're not in like a funny vibe right now. Uh, it says two blind men follow Jesus down the road. Okay, you get why that's funny. <laughs> how do they follow Jesus? Not very well. How do, you, how do you know that? We got evidence in the text. It says they were shouting after Jesus. That's how you find somebody when you can't see. You're just saying, hey, hey. It's like, near Eastern Marco Polo or something chasing around Jesus. But can you imagine the spectacle? Two blind men just shouting for Jesus in the middle of a crowded street. What's going on in these stories? Why is Matthew putting these right next to each other like this? There's two realities that come to mind. The first is these were desperate people. How desperate do you have to be to leave your daughter's deathbed? If your child was dying, is there anywhere else you would be other than right there? What's going on in this man? What kind of pain is he feeling that he's left his daughter's deathbed in desperation? How, how little do you have to think of yourself that you're on the edge of the crowd, and you just, you, you don't want to bring yourself to talk to the guy. You're just hoping maybe I can touch a little bit of his clothes. He wouldn't talk to me. I can't make a scene, but if, maybe if I can just touch his clothes. How out of options you have to feel like you are, that you just wander the streets shouting for Jesus. You hear the pain, the desperation in these stories. They were all so, so desperate. The other reality is that they must have heard the stories. They must have heard the stories of Jesus healing a leper, of Jesus calming a storm, of Jesus healing a paralyzed man, of Jesus casting out demons. They heard the stories, and the stories did something to them. Did you notice what you felt when you were hearing these stories? If neither one of those stories moved you, as my daddy would say, if that didn't get your fire burning, you're working with wet wood. You know what I mean? You felt something and maybe you're not sure what. Do you notice how you you kind of feel drawn to Mary Beth and to Michael now? You feel like you know them a little bit. What's going on there? I'll give you a, a way easier example. So we don't have to get emotional or sad at all right now. We can just like put it off for a second. A few weeks ago. It was National Ice Cream Day. Anybody remember that? Nope. I learned it on Facebook. How did I learn it on Facebook? Um, This is your crowd participation time. Let's wake up a little bit. How much is an ice cream cone at graders? I got $10. I got too much. Any other guesses? It's five bucks. That's real money where I come from. Five bucks for ice cream? The problem is it's delicious. <laughs> it's good enough that like a bite in, you're like, might be worth it, I don't know, it might be worth it. Uh, but, but it's $5 ice cream, so we don't go to Grader's very often because, again, for one scoop, but who gets one scoop? $5. So National Ice Cream Day, people start posting on Facebook, ice cream at graters was $1, the 99-cent cone. When I read that, I rushed into my living room and said, It's National Ice Cream Day! One dollar cones! We loaded up the Sienna, and we went to get some ice cream. Heard the story, went and got it. There was so much faith happening in that moment, but I wasn't even thinking about it. I'm setting you guys up right now if you don't know, okay? I'm putting my cards out, okay? Okay? I didn't stop and think as I read the story what if that what if that deal doesn't apply to the graders in Floyd County what if that's just a Louisville deal what if they're out of ice cream clearly it's national ice cream day and you know no one knows how to run a business anymore so the supply chain is off they probably didn't have enough inventory I didn't say what if the line's too long Who wants to stand in line? I don't know. It's probably... Everybody else is probably getting it. I believed the deal existed, and I believed it would work for me. And all of that just simply happened, because it was my desire for ice cream that led me there. It was someone sharing the story of expensive ice cream being sold for cheap. I wanted expensive ice cream, and the story came And it moved me to action. Here's the point. Stories of grace produce hearts of faith. Stories of grace produce hearts of faith. And listen, you know that this is true. I don't have to explain it to you. You know it's true. When a story speaks to a deep desire you have, it moves us to action. Incredible stories change something. They They move us to do something. And in every instance of healing here, it began with a story. Someone heard a story and they decided they would go through the night to try to see Jesus. Someone heard a story and they decided they would leave their daughter's deathbed to go meet Jesus. Stories of grace produce hearts of faith. If you find your life filled with inaction or lack of faith or what? Whatever you're, however you would put that diagnosis on yourself, the first question that you have to ask is, have you heard the story? H- have you heard the story that all of these stories are birthed from? Have you heard about how you are fearfully and wonderfully made? Some of you need to know the Bible starts in Genesis 1, not in Genesis 3. And if you know what I mean by that, then I'm talking to you. In the beginning, you were created good and beautiful, filled with eternal fire made in the image of God a good God who wants to know you have you looked across your life since then and seen all the ways you've betrayed him have you looked across your life and seen all the pain that has come into your life from those who didn't trust God and sinned against you And have you heard the story of how God came near as a flesh and blood human? He walked dusty Galilean roads, who healed a leper by touching him, who was so filled with power and goodness that even touching his clothes could heal you. Have you heard about the man who had authority over winds and waves of diseases, of demons, and of life itself? And then have you heard how that man, though he was innocent, though there was no deceit in his mouth, as we heard earlier, how he suffered for you, how he died for you, and how he was raised for you. And have you noticed how that story is in all of our stories across every culture? Think, what's a, a movie you love? What's a movie that it brings unexpected tears to your eyes that you can watch it over and over? And I would almost guarantee you that somewhere in there is the story of sacrificial love that is transforming someone or something. Somebody laid their life down to save the day. Somebody poured themselves out to make someone else beautiful, to make someone else whole. Look at the stories. Our whole being is crying out for the gospel of Jesus to be true in what we're saying. All of these stories are true because the story is true. If this is, if you have heard this, If you're willing to believe this, if it has become your story, do you know that you have a story to tell? The same assessment Jesus made of the people of his day can be made of ours. In verse 36, it says, When he, that's Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. The Bible's out of date, right? (laughs) Oh, That's funny. You ever look at a bunch of a crowd or a culture and feel like it was confused and helpless? Yeah. I mean, does this is not apply to today? One amen? Can I get one amen? amen? Look out. You ever, whatever you, wherever you consume your news, and how many head scratchers do you get a day? Like, they did what? He said what? She said what? They're doing what? Why? What happened? How often do we look out into a culture that is so confused and apparently helpless? And what's so confusing to me is most of us in the church, when we see the confusion and helplessness, our move is typically to take sides and to get angry. To get hostile. Not Jesus, it would seem. Jesus is filled with compassion. That is the way of his people. To be filled with compassion. And here's Jesus' strategy for what we'll do about it. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the field. Freedom, true freedom, is about receiving the story of Christ. It's about receiving his presence, accepting the good news of the gospel, receiving the grace of God, and then joining in the story of God. So listen, do you realize that you are here because someone else prayed to the Lord of the harvest to send workers? You are, you are the answer to someone's prayers. Someone had faith for you. You have been the recipient of indirect faith. How do I know? Because your mom was telling you about Jesus every day of your life, even through those teenage years when you were being a total idiot. Your grandfather had faith that Jesus could change you, so he kept inviting you to church over and over. That youth pastor who showed up at your high school and met you at lunch, that friend that sent you a podcast, You see all the people who've been reaching out in your life. Nobody comes to Jesus all on their own. Somebody had enough faith to believe that Jesus could change you and they said something to you about it. They prayed for you. They saw what Jesus did to them and they believed he could do it for you. Someone believed that God wanted to rescue you and send you. You know you have a story to tell. And in a church like ours, you know, I can remember being in my early 20s and wishing I had a cooler testimony. And what's that mean? Like the saucy, scandalous one where like all these awful things happen and then Jesus met me behind a dumpster when I was high and about to murder somebody. Or, you, you know what I mean? And it's like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. And it's like, well, I just went to youth camp. I had a good mom and a good dad and I'm just, uh... And we we'd belittle our stories. And I realized, oh wait, well now as a parent i'm like lord please give my kids a boring testimony please let them say i grew up in a christian home and i went to a healthy church community and i realized you loved me right like i'm desperate for a good just a boring testimony but listen there is no boring testimony why because the god of the universe opened your eyes to his love for you the same god who holds together the whole universe by every moment by the power of his word came and revealed himself to you and wooed you now into life. There is no such thing as an uninteresting, boring testimony. You have a story to tell. To press it just a little bit further, could you believe that someone needs to hear your story? There's something in your story and how God has shown up to you that somebody needs to hear it. Some of you woke up this morning and you you didn't want to go to church. You didn't want to be here. Maybe you showed up a couple of minutes late, and then as Mary Beth is talking, you're like, oh, this is why I'm here. You heard something in Michael's story, and you're like, oh, this, this was for me. A couple of years ago, we had a guy get baptized, came to faith, got baptized, and we have folks share their story. Why do we do that? It's so uncomfortable. It puts a stumbling block in front of baptism. I'll tell you why we do it. One, because it's beautiful. And it helps the person own their story and see the grace of God in it. But a couple of years ago, here's another reason why we do it. A man stood up and he had some really uncomfortable, difficult things to share about his story. You know, twisted sins, deceit, things that he had done. And it took a lot of courage for him to stand up here, you know, clothed in nothing but the blood of Jesus and share some of the worst parts about his life. And it was beautiful. He got baptized. We all rejoiced celebrated Christ's redeeming power. I'm walking down the hallway, and this guy who I'd never met runs to me like a lightning bolt. And he says, I don't know what just happened in there, but that guy, I felt like he knows me, and he told me everything about my life. That was my story. I want what happened to me, or what happened to him, to happen to me. And I panicked, because I'm not good between services, and I said, talk to Travis. i <laughs> is just being real, right? I'm just being honest, okay? I, was like, I said, talk to Travis. I don't know what to do. Travis, Travis shared the gospel with him, and the guy said, "I believe Jesus is Lord. I want Him to do this to me." That guy got baptized the next week. Like, do you guys know that happens? That happens. Pray to the Lord of the Harvest that He might send workers. You're the workers. Somebody prayed for you. You are an answer to someone's prayers. And you have a story to tell. Stories of grace produce hearts of faith. And if that grace has come to you, you have a story to tell. And someone needs to hear it. It's not normal. There is no normal story. There is no ordinary story and I, I understand that this may seem difficult what do you mean? How do I share my story? Just a couple of quick options for you. We have our men's and women's school that run every year, they run for weeks at a time the classes are about to start up, it's all new content, all new curriculum from what we've done in the past couple of years and every week there's ways that you get to rehearse and practice sharing your story and listening to the stories of others. It's a great way to kind of step out of the boat, as it were, and learn how to share your story. Uh, We also have a a free resource, um, one of our field guides, called Testify. I don't know if we have a picture of it or not, uh, but it's, it's out on the welcome table or on the How We Grow wall. Testify, how to share your story and talk to people about Jesus. Maybe you need to get baptized next week. I know it's scary. I was baptized at Sojourn. Ten years after I became a Christian, and I kept putting it off because I was like, oh, they're going to all think I'm a baby Christian, or they're going to all think whatever. That's the first step of faith is responding to the grace of God by following the commands of God. He says, be baptized. Maybe you need to get baptized next week and stand up here and share your story. Somebody needs to hear it. To put it another way, your story of faith began with someone else's story of grace. You see that? Your story of faith started and began because someone else shared with you their story of grace. You have a story to tell. Some of you, you need to hear today. What Jesus did for that person, he can do it for you. What Jesus did for Michael, he can do for you. What he did for Mary Beth, he can do for you. Why did that woman reach out her hand to touch Jesus' robe? Well, gosh, if he healed the leper and calmed the storm, what else could he do? Maybe Maybe he could deal with this too. Why did that dad ask Jesus to raise his dead daughter? I heard he healed that Roman servant. I heard what he did with that woman who was unconscious. He could do it for me too. Stories of grace produce hearts of faith. Have I said that enough times? Do you guys hear that? Stories of grace produce hearts of faith. And so, to level with you, I know this is complicated. I know not everyone gets healed. I know we don't all get the prayers answered the way we want them answered. But there's a promise that's even greater than the healing of our bodies, and there's undeniable evidence. And so, I don't know if this is a good idea or not, but I'll level with you guys. I find much of Christianity confusing. Some of it I find delightfully simple and straightforward. Uh, There's times where I wish the Bible was just a tad longer and Jesus would have explained a few things more, particularly now that I'm a pastor and the, the complexities of what we're carrying and living through. I wish Jesus would have said more at some points. I find some of his teachings very hard, and there's oftentimes that following Jesus is hard and there's times where the hardest stuff you'll have to go through will happen after you decide to follow Jesus. And sometimes you guys, it just overwhelms me seeing it all. It overwhelms me. I get confused, second-guess myself, and, and doubt creeps in. You start asking scary questions like, did I pick the wrong career? Am I doing something dumb week in, week out? This doesn't make sense. And, but there's something that I keep coming back to that's just not hard for me to figure out. And I, I can't deny it. It's the foundation of everything else. It's what keeps me clinging to Jesus of Nazareth. I can't get around the fact that this man, Jesus, was crucified, he died, and he was buried. And on the third day, he rose again. No one has an explanation for what happened there. No one has an answer or a response that is the least bit compelling outside of the physical, bodily resurrection of this man, Jesus Christ and the promise is if Jesus rose you will rise and that body you so long to be healed it will be healed and it will be imperishable stories of grace produce hearts of faith and with all of your questions and all of your doubts if you're like me the one that you can't get around that there's no clever turn on words is Jesus rose from the dead freedom is found through healing Healing of your soul, being united with Christ, and clinging to that promise of resurrection. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to hide. You can change. You can be made new. So receive Him. Join the workers in the field and share your story of grace. If you don't know what to share, just share what we share every week at church, where we remember the night that Jesus was betrayed. He thanked God for a loaf of bread. And then he broke it and he said, this is my body, broken for you. Eat this and remember what I've done for you. After the meal, he took a cup of wine and he said, this is my blood shed for you, which seals your relationship with God. Not your performance, not the incredible faith you have or all the promises for how you're going to do better this week. What seals your relationship with God and your hope of the resurrection, it's the blood of Christ shed for you. He said, drink this in remembrance of me. Our tradition at Sojourn is to come forward. Um, There'll be stations in the back as well. Rip off a piece of bread, dip it in wine or juice. Wine will have a piece of twine wrapped around it and there'll be gluten-free elements to my left. your right. Christian, come remember your hope. Remember the story and believe you have a story to tell. If you're not a Christian, will you receive him today? Will you receive this kind of love? Uh, There'll be men and women who'd be happy to talk to you from up front after the service prepare you to be baptized next week and take communion. Um, I'll pray for us, and then Christians, we can come celebrate our hope together. Let's pray. God, you are good, and your mercy endures forever. You are faithful, you are patient, and you love us, as hard as that is for us to believe at times. We thank you, God, for the stories that we've heard this morning, the stories of how you carry us of how you care for us, of how you transform us, and ultimately how you're making us more like your son. I pray that we would be overwhelmed by the beauty of Christ in our last moments together. As we sing, as we participate in the life of Christ through the Lord's Supper, awaken us, awaken our bodies, awaken our senses, awaken our minds to the nearness of Christ, his presence in us, around us, through us, sustaining us, refreshing us, that we might abound in hope, that we might go out into a world that is confused and helpless and have compassion on them, armed with our stories of grace. Make us people who know, who know our stories and are eager to share it. I pray you'd give us opportunities this week to share our stories with someone who's lost, who's confused, who's hurting and give us the courage to share the wondrous deeds that you've done for us. We love you, God, and we're so thankful to be your people. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening. Keep in touch with Sojourn New Albany on Facebook or download the free Sojourn Collective app for iPhone or Android where you can see our full library of sermon series audio and video, discussion questions, event calendar, ministries, and much more.